Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. GC Live M, what is up? It is Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. Friday episode, free for all Friday, you could say. Plenty to talk about today. I'm Wes Mitchell. He's Chris Clark. And we are, of course, as always, brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond over there at the Mortgage Network. He is the branch manager at the Columbia Mortgage Network office right over there across from Greer High School. Check him out, clinthammond.com. 803-771-6933. Uh, if you are on the video feed, you can see Clint's information right there in MLS number 71597. Hit Clint up, Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com or again, 803-771-6933 or clinthammond.com. Appreciate Clint, of course, uh, being our presenting sponsor, making the show possible every single day that we have it. We do about three days a week during the offseason and pretty much daily during the regular season. So appreciate him and appreciate everybody that's joining us. Uh, I see everybody already sort of getting in line in the chat, in the comments. And let's see, uh, congrats to Rob, who says he bit the bullet, Chris, a brand new Gamecock Central premium subscriber. Welcome in, Rob. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, tell us that you like us, tell us that you hate us, whatever it may be. Reach out to me. Reach out to Chris. Uh, we'll we'll help you make sure you get the most out of your subscription. Uh, plenty to talk about today. Uh, some some of it isn't. I mean, it's not. It's not like breaking news anymore. But it's actually been since we had a show last that South Carolina President Bob Caslin actually resigned and then had his resignation accepted. So. That's uh, that's something I guess we probably need to talk about it at least a little bit. You, of course, have uh, the pending announcement of Kwan Banks, the Tallahassee, Florida, Godby High School three-star DB, announcing today among finalists South Carolina, Maryland, and West Virginia. We had hoped maybe that announcement would be before the show. Um, seems like Gamecocks are in good shape there, so – We'd hoped maybe there'd be an announcement already, Chris, and then that'd be something we could talk about today is some pretty fresh news. And then, of course, uh, baseball, another big series this weekend. We got Mr. Colin Taylor coming in 2.30, so if you're you're listening on the podcast, that'll be in about 25 minutes. Uh, But yeah, man, so Chris, uh, big big weekend in Gamecock Nation, strange week in Gamecock Nation, and uh, it's it's actually a beautiful day in the capital city right now, so it's, it's a good Friday, man. Yeah, outstanding day. Cold this morning, but uh, really, really nice now. And 
Yeah, you know, I, I was hopeful, too, that we might be able to talk on the show today. K1 Banks originally, um, of course, we're recording this Friday, 2.04 p.m. right now. And uh, originally it looked like it was going to be about noon. Just, uh, that's based on what he told us last week. But uh, he said around noon. There was no set, I don't think, specific time. There's no ceremony. He didn't tweet that out or anything. So it might be just one of those things that's going to come later. But obviously we'll continue to track that depending on when you're listening to this. If you're listening on the pod, maybe something has gone down since then and we can get into that. But yeah, what, what are we going to hit on first, Wes? Maybe, maybe the Caslin thing. Obviously, with you know, university president, there's a lot of uh, layers to that situation because you've got, you know, so many people when we're talking about Gamecock sports, you think of the president because he is he's important, you know, some more than others in that process. He's forward-facing. Bob Caslin, when he was at South Carolina, made his presence known on the athletics front. I think we could all agree on that, uh, that the job of a president is a lot more than that. And so there's there's the university stuff. There's political tie-in, obviously, with all this. But, um, you know, the, the sports angle, there is one to that now because now you're, you're tasked as a university with going out and finding a new permanent president. And that can always have some type of effect on athletics. Yeah, um, the first thing I want to talk about is, dude, we we've got to we got to figure out something for our intro because okay. the intro the intro you made for us that got flagged for copyright, dude, that thing like I felt like hyped up. You were ready, like, okay. And now we go back to the elevator music, and it's kind of like, uh, so you know, I, I we we got to find first of all, we've got to find an option that works for the intro. Okay. But maybe we, there's been a lot going on. Maybe we can get that next week an option so we don't get flagged on YouTube, which we thought we thought those of you who listened to the intro, the one day it was different. We thought it was free use music. It was tagged as being that, but it is not. So, uh, so we, we've got to find something that's free use as far as that goes. Uh, anyway, you know, I, I think Chris, as you said, when it comes to a university president, from what I see, obviously we're not tied in at, at other schools, other universities. It seems like some some places, you know, when it comes to athletics, some places the AD, like the actual athletics director, runs, and wow, this is a crazy concept, runs the athletic department. Some places – the board of trustees sort of runs the athletic department. Some places, the president, maybe not in in name, obviously, but is very influential on the athletics department. So, hey, hey you you forgot one. The boosters might well, run. Yeah, and department. and some places, <laughs> some places. well, and, and sometimes it's like one booster. It's You're like right. one dude that yeah. has like freaking bill gates type money <laughs> and it's just like i have so much money that y'all are gonna do what i want or i'm gonna pull all my money and if you don't listen then you know that's it you're not getting a billion dollars so and, and then you know what you have at the university of south carolina as frederick points out 
there's politicians involved as well because you are a state university. And, you know, I would dare say, Chris, we've seen all of the elements I just mentioned have influence at various times on South Carolina athletics. So there, there's no like with, with South Carolina athletics, it is never this like very simple. It's never just a line. It's always like like this, like there is influence from everywhere. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the president, so you know, if this was a case where maybe he wasn't involved with sports at all, I don't even know if we would have a whole heck of a lot to add to this conversation other than maybe that we've some different things we've heard from sort of that side of things, but I don't even know if it would be our place to, to really get completely involved in, in commenting on it. But as I, you know what I'll, I'll give Heath, Heath Klein had a very just to the point tweet this week when he said, basically pre- presidents can go through 12 years at a place and have far fewer controversial things happen involving them than Bob Caslin did in his two years at, at South Carolina. Yeah. So, you know, I think, and I know y'all, y'all listen to the show, y'all watch the show to talk about sports. So I don't want to dive completely into it for 30 minutes or something, but it does affect sports at a place like South Carolina. The, the next presidential hire will be very important for the future of South Carolina athletics. And that's why they have to get it right. If you're a South Carolina sports fan, not to mention all the other things that somebody smarter than me can focus on as far as the, the jobs of the president at the university of South Carolina. But Chris, when you come in with controversy surrounding your hire in the first place Mm -hmm. and some, not all of the, you know, it's more about the people who put him in that situation. And and as far as that goes, it's not necessarily Caslin is who he is. Like it's not necessarily his fault. He was put in that position. Mm-hmm. He makes, he made what over $600,000 a year. Most people are going to accept that job. So I, you know, I, I think you have to look at it and say, if you come in with controversy surrounding you though, you, you're going to have to be on your absolute like you're going to have to check all your your P's and Q's, you know, like you can't have issues. And a big part of being a president at the place at a place like South Carolina is like the social aspects, like just being a forward facing uh, person for the university, having commencement speeches, doing doing interviews without throwing your football coach under the bus at a place that is as football hungry as South Carolina, um, being able to speak to the football team in a group setting without them looking around being like, what did he just say? Did he just throw our coach under the bus in front of us? Yeah. Like there, there are issues that you can have where maybe people just disagree with you that you can get away with, especially if you've built up some sort of uh, some goodwill. But when you have – issue after issue right off the bat it it, to me it was just pretty obvious this was not going to be the right fit and you know and I I think sometimes in this Twitter world we live in people take it too far like just bashing the absolute crap out of the guy as a person like we're not going to do that like just because he's not the right fit to be South Carolina's president 
doesn't mean he's some terrible human being. But I, I, to, to his point, when he resigned, he said, when trust is lost, um, you know, th- there's not a whole lot you can do to gain it back when you're in that position. Mm-hmm. He kind of summed it up with, with that. If, if his commencement speeches were, you know, were as good as that summation there, then maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. So, you know, I, I think there's just a lot, there's a lot that goes into being president that involves you being a great communicator and being a uh, sort of an advocate for university and, and communicating uh, things to students, to faculty, to alumni. And I, I just, I don't think he was a fit as far as that goes. Yeah. And there were a lot of different things from the start. I mean, everything sort of snowballed, you know, and um, if this, you know, if the thing over the weekend at the graduation was literally the only thing I, I found myself thinking about, if that was the only thing that had happened, if there was no controversy when he came in, there wasn't what you mentioned with, with Will Muschamp. And then, you know, remember trying to walk back something he said, and then a recording comes out. So they media outlet comes with receipts and, you know, all, all these different things. If that was the only thing, would, would this result be the same? I, I don't know. I just it's more of an open ended question to me. There's probably a debate that can be had about it. Um, but I think things snowballed. And, and so people started looking, OK, well, this happened. And then before that, this happened. And before that, this happened. And then, hey, let's go back to the beginning of the process, you know. Um, so it, it's been it's been very <laughs> Interesting to watch. I know some frustration for people around the university. There were there were some things, and I want to try to be fair. There were some things, you know, uh, even detractors in and around the University of Bob Caslin pointed out that hey, the university got through COVID well, and they thought that he did a really good job with that. Now, whether some people listening may say, "Oh, he didn't. He did a terrible job." That's debatable. But I'm just saying, even some of his detractors thought that and thought that some of the plans that had been put in were good or some were average, some were not good. There were some personal opinion would be that he did handle that. Yeah. Well, like that, this isn't, this isn't like a Caslin bash fest. Yeah. But I I think it's more about, sorry to cut you off, Chris. It's more about when when you start to give like, and you know, one side of this thing, like Caslin defenders can be like, well, there were people that were out to get him from, from day one. Probably true. But, When you give them so much ammo, it's not hard. You know, it's not hard to get somebody out if you give them ammo after ammo after ammo. And to your point, I know it's an open-ended question. I I truly, but if Harris Passides had said the University of California, he would have realized it, turned, made some joke, then later on probably tweeted about himself, like making fun of himself, on Twitter and it would have been like a, you know, ha ha ha, you know, like a, a you would laugh it off. Right. And right. You'd sort of make fun of yourself and, and laugh with everybody else. But when it plays out the way it did with all the other issues, then it becomes a, it becomes a big, you're, it's just ammo after ammo after ammo. Sorry. That's, no, no, you're, that's a great point. And, you know, I think I, I go back to the beginning. I remember, this was, I can't remember the exact date, but it was uh, a few weeks before the 2019 football season home opener. So Bob Caslin had been in place for a little bit and I sat down with him and had a conversation. I, he was 
you know, nice enough to grant some time to interview him. And, and we published, I think, a two-part story on Gamecock Central, and a lot of it was about athletics. Because you remember, Wes, when, when South Carolina was searching for a president and when Bob Kaslin ended up being the guy, one thing that we heard consistently was, you know, a president who is extremely – involved and understands the importance of athletics is going to be like paramount. That was something that they were really looking for. And so now for better or worse, <laughs> that was true about Bob Kazan. He was very involved in athletics. Uh, very, very involved. We know. Um, and obviously a lot of those things that happened as, as he took his post and, and went throughout his duties, maybe not as positive on the athletics front with just how things happen. But that said that my point is when I sat down with him, having sort of, I don't know if covered Harris Pastidius is the right word, but just seeing how he interacted. See, the, the the thing that I was struck with pretty soon into that conversation with Caslin was this is going to be different. You know, like you, you could just, you got the sense that it was going to be different. His speaking style, the way he said things, it was, it was unique. It was not something we were used to. Um, and then one thing that we found out sort of watching Bob Caslin is that from a, you know, from a, a PR standpoint, public speaking standpoint, you know, there were certainly some gaffes there <laughs> and some things, whether behind, whether behind the scenes was, I know we've talked about that a lot or forward facing things. There were, there were certainly some issues there. And I think everybody took those um, and took some of the things that had happened behind the scenes and then t- went all the way back to the original search and deemed that it just wasn't working. And so we increasingly got the sense even before the graduation thing was really remember we started hearing some whispers of man, this, this Bob Kaslin might not be long for this job and whether it's one side or the other, right. We, we started hearing that. And you know what, at, looking back on it now from, from where we are, it's understandable, you know, why, why everything happened the way it did. Yeah. And, and obviously there were a lot of people not happy with him. I don't know necessarily, you know, and I, I think I I think it's safe to say this at this point. I heard it from enough people and the way it ended. I don't know necessarily that Caslin was that happy to be all that excited to be here either right. um, with the way things had, had gone. And, you know, even, uh, you know, we haven't even talked about the men's basketball situation and Caslin, uh, you know, you st- I started to hear some things then when he's basically getting grilled about uh, potentially paying a buyout. There were people, you know, I mean, we, we saw lots of messages on our message board on, on Gamecock Central. There were people not impressed with, uh, you know, we posted that video. There were people not impressed with how he handled being questioned and not sort of being able to uh, rebuke uh, the point that was trying to be made there yeah. at this um, uh, hearing about South Carolina's finances as a university. Right. And that, that was another – Again, it's one of those things. You're every nobody's perfect. Everybody will make mistakes. If, if you do something long enough, you will make a mistake. But it's when they add up that you have issues, and and what happens happens. Somebody asked, "In what direction will South Carolina go?" I, I think it's far too early to know that. Far too early to see. You got you got to get this right. You're you're lucky enough that Pastides was able to step right back in and give you some time in order to take some time, you know, like you, you got to get this right. You're going to have to, um, I would say, Chris cast a fairly wide net 
with this hire. Um, and, and you're going to have to emphasize. Uh, I, th- I think you sort of have to emphasize somebody that that has positives in some of the areas that that Caslin struggled with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's going to be. And, and that was interesting because people look back on Harris Pastides, and we're not going to go into, you know, policies, politics, all those types of things. You know, don't, don't want to go down that road. But one thing we know about Harris Pastides is people around the university really liked him. Um, you know, students really liked him, uh, coaches, administrators, all those people. And he and he was very good in the, the forward-facing PR, public speaking type of realm. I mean, he, he was very good at those things. And so – Will you find somebody that's as affable, I guess is the best word for Harris as Harris Pastides? I don't know. But I think some of the things, uh, Wes, some of the traits, I guess you could say, that I think you could expect in the next president, I, I don't know yet who some of the names might be. Maybe it's some of the same people that came up last time, maybe not. Uh, but I think some of the the traits that you could look for is, is we know at a university level, they wanted to make some some changes just with, um, with personnel, how they spend money, whatever it may be. So you can look at some of those things, somebody who they feel can execute a long-term vision, and they are going to want somebody that at least understands the importance of athletics. Will they be as big of a cheerleader as Harris Pastides was? Will they be as involved as Bob Kaislin was? I don't know. Both of those people are in different ways, very forward-facing with athletics, right? Um Caslin probably even more so behind the scenes and then with some of the sort of the gaffes that happen. But I do think that finding somebody that understands athletics and the importance of it in the SEC is going to be paramount in this hire. And that's something I've, I've been always been told about about the presidential position at South Carolina. Um, it's because you do see some presidents at schools that are there's nothing wrong with being an academic. I'm not saying this in a bad way, but just a person who's academic. They don't really care either way about athletics. I'd expect the opposite of that. Well, and I think you have to, you have to realize how high profile, I think that was part of it, how high profile South Carolina athletics are, how high profile SEC athletics are. I almost got the sense early on, Chris, that, you know, when, when you make those statements to the newspaper about, oh, we've, um, you know, we, we, we talked to Florida State about their buyout. I, it almost struck me as being like, he's saying that like he's talking to a small town newspaper, uh, you know, maybe it was being, maybe it was being completely honest, but doesn't, he doesn't expect that to be on ESPN or something. You know, it's like, but then if you, if you're talking about South Carolina athletics and you say something like that, it is going to be news in this realm and everybody's going to pick that up and discuss it. You're not you're not just talking to that newspaper. You're talking it once it gets picked up. You know you're you might as well have blasted that on Twitter. I I don't get the the sense he he necessarily understood that. And then you walked it back, and then the then the newspaper has to be like, well, actually, dude, like we we record things around here, so you did say it. Uh, but I mean, we we could go on and on about all that. But I, I think the the new the new guy or girl has to understand what it means and understand, you know, the academics are important, but use the athletics to fortify the academics. You know, the um, a winning football program brings so much 
money into your university that uh, you you can better your university on the academic side. Some people on the academic side, it's like they almost spit at the idea of sports being so important. And you're kind of working against your, your own self-interest by doing that. So, and certainly I would imagine whoever South Carolina hires uh, will, will understand that. It appears, Chris, it is worth saying that right now it appears it will not be William Tate the fourth. That was something that was sort of floating around um, and even reported about in the Post and Courier was that, hey, South Carolina um, could be circling back to William Tate the fourth. He was South Carolina's uh, provost. Uh, let me get his title completely correct. Executive Vice President for Academic Affairs and Provost at, U- at USC since last July. And he has accepted the LSU president job. Um, so, you know, South Carolina maybe had some discussions. You, you want to stay, et cetera. It appears that is not going to happen. You know, could you keep trying if you're South Carolina? Certainly. But if they're, you know, otherwise, if it's not him, again, it appears it won't be, then I think you have to ask a really wide net and go out and, and interview a lot of people and get this thing right. And hopefully you sort of have an understanding with Pastides where he's willing to stick around for long enough for you to truly get this thing right. And, and I do think there was an element here, man, you, you never want to follow the man. And Pastides was just so likable. It was going to be hard to come in. It, you know, Kasling is not Pastides. So the next guy won't be Pastides. Every human being is different from a personality standpoint. So that was, you never want to follow Steve Spurrier. You know, it's, it's kind of a situation there. You don't want to hire the man. You want to hire. You want to come after the guy after the guy who came after the man. So we'll see if South Carolina can get this one right. Uh, but that's it for presidential talk. I promise for the show we went way longer than we planned. Yep. People are probably going to listen to something else at this point. But uh, Colin Taylor will be joining us, I believe, in about four minutes. South Carolina baseball getting some news today. It's not. I don't even know if it's news yet. It is news from a headline standpoint, but it doesn't quite mean anything yet. They were selected as one of the 20 predetermined um, sites that could get, that could ultimately get one of the 16 predetermined regional baseball sites. So I, I saw somebody in the comments a while back on Facebook ask, well, what do you think about South Carolina getting a predetermined site? Um, worth pointing out, they have not gotten a predetermined site yet. It just means you have a chance. And and for South Carolina, if you asked this question maybe two weeks ago, you'd have, you would have said they were definitely in line to get on that list of 20 and probably in line for the 16. Now, you know, you've lost three series in a row, lost to Clemson this past week. Uh, the RPI is right there on the line. You're right at 500 in SEC play. I don't even I don't think they're a top 16 right now. I think they were probably in date. They may have been 20 of 20 as far as the 20 that that were announced. So, you know, Chris, we're going to get Colin to talk about that here in a second and and dive into this Kentucky series. But um, at least you get a little you get a little momentum from that. I think if you're South Carolina, you go into this Kentucky uh, weekend knowing 
if you take care of business the next two weekends in the SEC tournament, then you've got a chance to be playing in the postseason at your home facility. Yeah, and I saw a, a tweet that was sort of telling, and I think it, it agreed with your point there, Wes, and that South Carolina was very close to that 20-cut line. I think Kendall Rogers put it out from D1 Baseball saying that you know, he sort of outlined a, a couple of the surprises for him, and his one of his surprises was South Carolina still in. Uh, two teams that he mentioned that were out that he was surprised by. One of them was Louisville, and there was another one I can't remember off the top of my head. But Was it Florida uh, State? It, it might have been Florida State. It was one of those two. Gonzaga was included, which he said he liked. He, he was neither surprised or, or – uh, he was not surprised either way about that one, I don't think, or, or didn't pass an opinion on it. But South Carolina being in was the only surprise he mentioned uh, in that tweet talking about it. And that's a, a national baseball writer who's been doing it for a while, follows the sport really – Closely, so I thought that was pretty interesting, and you know, Wes, I think I'm gonna have a a little bit of a different question every single week. I ask Colin, "What does this mean if South Carolina wins this series or loses this series?" I think now it's a little bit more broad. Of hey, South Carolina is probably out if they lose this week, right? What do they have to do to not only stay in that twenty for a little while, but make that next cut to sixteen? Like, what do they have to do? Yeah, and. Uh- Right on time. We have Colin Taylor rolling in. Colin, um, by the way, man, uh, we're, we're going to, before we get you off here, we got to talk about your new series that you binged through this week. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that at the end because uh, I have some comments on that. But uh, South Carolina baseball this weekend, Kentucky. But as we were just talking about, Colin, they, they get the news that are at least among this group of 20 places that could be hosting. Were you surprised at all? You know, I think two week, two or three weeks ago, they're, they're, I mean, it's not even a conversation. Like they're definitely in and probably project to be in the top 16 two or three weeks ago. Now it's like, were they a top 16 right now? Probably not. Or were they even going to be on the 20? You know, I, I think they, they may have been number 20 potentially. Uh, were, were you surprised at all to hear that today? Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Yeah, no, I wasn't surprised. Um, I wouldn't have been shocked either way. Like if you had told me South Carolina didn't make the top 20, I wouldn't have been shocked. But in my opinion, with their RPI the way it is, the fact that they've won four of their seven SEC or four of their however many SEC series they've won, the the amount of quad one and quad two wins that they have. um, I'm not shocked by it. And if you're South Carolina, this is where you want to be. You have two weeks to prove to the selection committee now that you deserve being in that top 16. And that's exactly what they have to do. And they have a couple good opportunities to do so, but no, I wasn't shocked per se to see them in it. And, uh, I think it's really good for South Carolina moving forward because you want to be playing big games at the end of May and July, and they have a chance to do that now. I was telling Wes right before you came on that the, the version of the question that I ask you every single week, I'm changing it up just a little bit um, because we know that every series now, these last two series, the midweek against App State, those are critical, obviously. So, um South, is it safe to say, two-parter, is it safe to say South Carolina loses 
either of these two SEC series, they're probably out, right? And then secondly, what do they have to do to make sure that they're in? You know what I mean? Like how much wiggle room do they have to try to get into that 16? Obviously, they need to win these two series, but but what else beyond that? Yeah, I mean, if you win your next two series, um, you are – let's just say you go two and one in your next two series, both, so that's four and two. You're 16 and 14 going into the SEC tournament, um, and you have close to 35 wins, nearly 35 wins. Uh, So that's, I think, good enough to at least put you on the fringe. I think that's good enough. And if, heck, if you go down and win a game or two in the SEC tournament, it's even better. So you just got to keep winning. You got to win your next two, hands down. You have to win your next two uh, SEC series because Tennessee is a top 10 program right now and will definitely be an RPI booster. And um, your strength of schedule is going to carry you. So you need to keep winning. And then if you go down to the SEC tournament, I think that certainly helps you if you can not go two and cute, which has kind of been the team's MO since the turn of the century. <laughs> you know, Colin, uh, this weekend, you, you get a little bit of a reprieve if you're South Carolina. Not that Kentucky, I mean, they're they're a solid team. You look RPI, you know, they're sitting there at like 52. You're like, well, South Carolina's been playing like top five RPIs all year long, it feels like. You get a little reprieve. And, you know, I was sitting there, I was like, man, it, it seems like South Carolina just has not played well at Kentucky. And then I read your preview, and I see they have not won a series at Kentucky in a long, long time. So uh, how, how do you sort of frame up this weekend as far as this matchup? Um, on paper, it's like, oh, it, it gets easier, but you still have to go play well. I, I would say you still have to go play better than you have been recently is probably the even more accurate way to say it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this is the Kentucky team that they haven't, they don't have series wins over them, but they have a win over LSU. Um, they have a win over Georgia. They took two or three from Alabama. They, um, you know, took a game from Tennessee. They took a game from Florida. So this, ha- this is a team that has a, the ability to come up and punch up a little bit for lack of a better term and beat a good team. Do they have necessarily the, team depth to take a series over a top 25 team maybe not but um this is a good team and south carolina's playing a team that has um a lot of scrappiness about them they're fighting for a postseason spot right now baseball america has them as the uh, first four out so you're getting a team that knows it needs to win a lot of games down the stretch to get into the field and uh, south carolina desperately desperately has to play better at least from an offensive standpoint if they want to go up there and win and listen i've been up there a bunch and seen a bunch of just weird weird series up there um so they need to play a lot better than they have in the past up at kentucky even predating mark kingston and and what that program was under him colin i I will give you a kentucky question specifically here in a second but just just to point out and if you have any comment on it i i think am i remember correctly at one point app state getting a little bit ahead of myself but just thinking about that midweek and how South Carolina probably should go ahead and try to capture that too, in addition to these series. I think at one point they were in the top 25 very early in the season. I think I remember seeing that. They're now RPI 204, and they are a sterling 2-22 and 22 in quad one through three wins. 
0-10 in, in, in quad one. So obviously that's going to be important. But going back to Kentucky, um, you mentioned the hitting. Got to get better for South Carolina. What have you observed just covering this team so closely lately as far as, I guess, the disconnect in, in the hitting? and, and the Is it the approach? Is it bad luck? I mean, what all have you seen? I mean, it's probably a little bit of everything. Uh, I think that a lot of it is they're in between. So they're late on a fastball and early on the breaking ball, and it's causing some problems. I mean, when they get a good pitch to hit, then they just they miss it, and they're not making teams pay. You know, you saw with Arkansas, you saw with Mississippi State and Ole Miss, when a South Carolina pitcher made a bad pitch and made a mistake over the plate, they made them pay. And South Carolina's offense is just – it's not that right now. Um, they've struggled to really make teams pay. And um, you can kind of see them pressing at times at the plate. Um, when they get down in the count, they kind of press. And then all of a sudden, 0-1 goes to 0-2. And then you're you're in just survive mode at that point when you're down so much in the count. And uh, it, it, that's caused the big problem. And it, it's just pressing. And, and some of it's bad luck. Some of it's – they don't walk enough. They don't work enough counts. And um, if you have a good pitcher on the mound, they tend to strike out quite a bit. And you just can't do that if you're South Carolina. And, you know, Kentucky's not a big strikeout team. Um, they like to kind of fill the zone and not walk a lot of people. But you're going to have your opportunities to hit, hit this weekend, I should say. And now it's just a matter of taking advantage and, and making them pay when Kentucky delivers a bad pitch. And it obviously it can be contagious, man. I mean, once a once guys start feeling better, um, it it can go the other way. But I mean, I know you've watched enough baseball. We've all watched enough baseball. It sometimes this just happens, and you you're almost if you're a coach or a fan or even a, a team, you're like praying it doesn't happen at the wrong time, and then you're praying you can get out of it before you you get to postseason play. And, and it's kind of like you'd almost need just one day where where a ball balls start falling for you, you know, and everybody starts to feel a little bit better and you stop pressing. And that to this point has not happened for South Carolina. We'll see if it happens this weekend. Do you anticipate any further adjustments to, to this lineup? I mean, I kind of feel like they're, they only have so many options at, at this point. There's only so much you can do. Um, you know, Heinrich was a guy that, uh, you know, he, he came up big uh, when you really needed him off the bench uh, game three against Mississippi state. Um you know, you, you see a, a spot start there for Khalil from from Robinson. Uh, so I, I know I don't know exactly what day. I can't remember when y'all talked to Kingston last. Is Khalil expected back in there this weekend? Have you heard anything there? And uh, any other adjustments to this lineup that you're anticipating? Yeah, we don't know officially on Khalil. I think he made the trip to Kentucky just from the pictures they tweeted out. But I'm not. I, I don't know that for sure based off what they've tweeted. But. Um, he had some flu-like symptoms, couldn't even get out of bed on Tuesday to even go to Clemson, felt a little bit better Wednesday. Uh, we'll see. And my guess is you'll probably see uh, Jeff Heinrich in the lineup tonight. Where, I don't know, but he's earned, he's definitely earned a spot just after um, playing the way he did against Mississippi State. He had the home run against Clemson. Uh, he's definitely earned a spot. And whether that's you take Malone out, who's swung the bat, oh, not great, but okay of late, um, and, or keep Wimmer out, who's obviously struggled. So those are the big changes I think would make. And if Khalil can't go, you'll see Robinson up there at short because he's really the only other guy that gives you an offensive push at short um, and can still play the position at a high level defensively. 
Con, give us a, a little bit more of a dive in. This last thing I got for you before we let you run, um, just into Kentucky. You know, you mentioned some of what they've done in terms of body of work this season and how they're a quality team. Obviously, weird place to play sometimes, like you said, but what, what are sort of the strengths of this team and maybe some areas that if South Carolina, if they can get it going, can take advantage? Yeah, uh, they're a team that can hit for some average. Uh, they're kind of middle of the road in league play in a lot of offensive categories. Um, but hitting 285 as a team, they steal a lot of bases. Um, they have 71 on the year. So uh, they can really make you pay. It's going to be up to the pitchers to control the run game and for Burgess to obviously throw some guys out when he has chances to. But uh, pitching staff that's kind of struggled sometimes and given up runs, given up hits. And, um, I mean, they have a team ERA of 4.57. Uh, they don't strike out a lot of guys. They kind of middle of the road and walks allowed in SEC play. So it's a team that you can take advantage of. They've not been a complete product by any stretch. And, I mean, their series wins this year have come against Missouri and Auburn, who were terrible this year. And, an Alabama team that's kind of a fringe NCAA tournament team. So um, South Carolina needs this. Uh, it's a Kentucky team that is not great. Um, they can punch up now and again, but it's not an offense that really terrifies you one through nine. And it's a pitching staff that, especially once you get into the bullpen for the most part, um, you can take some advantage of as well. South Carolina makes another pitching adjustment themselves. Colin, uh, moving Brett Carey into the Saturday role. Uh, Thomas Farr will be, Sunday again, uh, Brandon Jordan getting the start tonight here on Friday. Uh, thought, just I'll say it open-ended. Thoughts on this change? That, do you think it has a huge impact, or is it more just sort of um, tinkering and tweaking just uh, in, in hopes that, that maybe you uh, find a, a little new advantage somewhere? Yeah, I mean, it's more or less the fact that Will Sanders has struggled. I think he's given up eight earned and four and a third over his last two starts, which you can't have on the weekend. Uh, and this is just putting one of your best pitchers in your starting lineup. And it's not advantageous if you're South Carolina to hold Brett Carey, who's one of the best relief pitchers in the SEC, in the bullpen, and you lose your first two games and you're having to scrap and quality use them on the Sunday. So, Put a big arm like that in your rotation, especially on a Saturday where he can kind of give you some length and save your bullpen in that middle game. Uh, and a guy that's been there, done that. I mean, the dude went out there two years ago in 19 and threw up six and a third, two runs, struck out four, walked three. I mean, just shoved it down Mississippi State's throat um, for the better part of six innings. And then that was a team that went to a college world series. And Kentucky's not a college world series team right now, so. I like the move. I think it gives South Carolina some veteran presence in the middle of that rotation. Um, maybe it could give them a spark offensively. And at some point you just need to say, we're going to put our three best arms out there and we're going to ride or die with them. And I think that's what South Carolina has right now. By the way, those of you who did not follow Colin on Twitter, you can do that at Colin Taylor for Gamecocks baseball news, football news, bad food takes. And we did – Thank you. <laughs> we did. We did learn this week, Colin, that you finally started Ted Lasso. And um, so those of you listening slash watching, if you've not watched Ted Lasso, it is on Apple Plus uh, streaming service. Go check it out. And as y'all know, I don't even like soccer, but I've got I've got to say there are very few series I've ever watched that I believe actually could maybe affect you as a human being, like make you want to be a better person. 
But Ted Lasso may actually be that. Um, Colin, give us your review of Ted Lasso. It, it might it might literally be one of the best shows I have ever seen. And they're, they're coming out with a season two and I think a season three as well. Uh, but if you're listening and you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor. Go check it out. Colin, your review. Yeah, so, I mean, I saw the original, like, NBC Sports spoofs that they did, like, on YouTube, which is what kickstarted it. And when they announced the show, I was like, this is stupid. I have no interest in watching, like, a dumb internet skit comedy thing on that, and which is why it took me so long to watch it. But everyone raved about it. Everyone said how fantastic a show it was, and it blew me away. It was hilarious. It, well, I mean, like, there were times where I had to pause the show so much because I was laughing so hard. Um, there were, like, and, like, it hits you upside the head emotionally, too. Like, there's scenes that are, like, seriously emotional, and you end up rooting for these characters. And we actually finished it last night. In the end, I mean, I'm not, I won't spoil it, but, like, you're sitting there at the edge of your seat, just, like, hoping and, like, rooting for certain things. And, I mean, it was just, it was so fantastic. You, I binged it, in, or we binged it in three days. Um, we could have easily done it in two. And I mean, it was just such a fantastic show. And I'm mad at myself for waiting this long because it does make you want to be a better person. Because like Ted Lasso was just so wholesome and so awesome, and you want to be more like that. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you, dude. I when I when I first saw the like previews and stuff, I was like, "What is this garbage?" Like, I have no desire whatsoever to watch this show and then you start seeing this stuff on twitter i was like all right i'll give it a try and then i i could not i couldn't turn it off like i i've been straight through it as well so it it made me wish there were more episodes available already but we will get those at some point chris have you seen it yet you watch it i'm I'm slower on it uh i'm about probably four episodes in something like that and i have likewise enjoyed it so i'm still ways behind though Okay, I got you. I got you. All right, Colin, good stuff as always, man. We'll let you get back to it, and uh, everybody can check out Colin's complete South Carolina baseball coverage this weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, on GamecockCentral.com. Appreciate you, man. Awesome. Take it easy, y'all. Thanks, yep. Colin. Stuff, Colin. As always, our, our Friday visit with Colin Taylor, and uh, we got about, I don't know, 14 minutes if y'all have any questions, or we might cut it short on a Friday. We've hit pretty much everything. We're still still no K1 Banks. We, we thought it may, if anything, my prediction, Chris, was that it was going to happen during the show. There's still time. Uh, yeah, like th- there is still time. But time is running out for that to happen. That's right. So now it will probably happen when we're like just done with the, done with the day <laughs> at some point tonight. But um, – what what are your let, let's give some quick thoughts. What are your thoughts on Kwan Banks as a prospect um, in general? If the Gamecocks are able to to land him at some point this week, what would they be getting in uh, in Banks? Well, he, he's an interesting prospect because I, I think he could play multiple spots. Um, I actually had a chance to chat with him last week just to sort of preview his decision a little bit. Um, you know, Maryland, uh, West Virginia, I believe, and South Carolina are sort of the, the main schools in the mix right now. He's from Tallahassee, Florida, obviously. And really, he's a guy that believes that he could play multiple spots, corner, safety, nickel. Um, he said that South Carolina's talked with him about playing, you know, really any of those slots. And 
uh, when you when you watch his film, you can see why. You know, he's built well as a kid. Um, you know, he's not the tallest kid, but he's got um, you know some some mass to him. I guess is the best way to put it. Like he's he's a guy that maybe looks a little bit more like a nickel or a safety. Uh, but he's got some coverage ability. He plays some special teams as a returner. So good athleticism, uh, good ball skills. Looks like a pretty versatile performer. And and we know Wes that uh, you know defensive back obviously for South Carolina staff they're going to have a chance to make a lot of hay this summer when they bring in you know all these official visitors. You know I've got some unofficial visitors, but several talented DBs already slated for official visits this summer. Um, you know if they could land him in advance of that then that's a good get uh, to sort of jumpstart this DB class now that Anthony Rose is no longer on the commitment list. Yeah, you have to sort of re, re-jumpstart re the, the DB class, but it would, would be a nice replacement. Not that they're the, you know, exactly uh, similar prospects, but, you know, I, I think uh, to go back into Florida and, and get a DB and then several of these guys who are going to be on campus this summer, also Florida DBs, uh, you know, I, I think Gray will be able to sort of reestablish a, a little bit of a pipeline there that, that's been kind to South Carolina in the past. Uh, you know, I, I was looking back, man. There, there were some Spurrier classes where South Carolina had eight kids from Florida, had eleven kids from Florida in the class. Um, you know, and 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 it hasn't. Now, granted, those were bigger classes too. We got to remember, like South Carolina was signing like twenty nine and thirty one guys because you could oversign back then. So it's not. It's not apples to apples, but, you know, I, I think Florida sort of is a state South Carolina did some good work in there for a while, uh, did some good work. Uh, some classes under Muschamp, other classes not so much. So I, I think if Gray can sort of get them back into that state, that would be a positive development for South Carolina. Uh, John wants to know, did I see it right that Delp will be on campus with um, Brandon? I'm guessing he means Braden Davis, uh, unless there's a Brandon I'm not thinking of. Uh, but, yes, right now uh, the plan, Braden Davis told us uh, that the plan right now, he believes, is to be there June 25th, official visit weekend. We know that's when Oscar Delp has locked in his official visit weekend, and uh, several several other targets will be in that week as well. But, you know, I, I think we talked about it a bit on Wednesday. Pretty pretty important deal there for, for Davis to be in and be able to, to hang out with some of these other prospects. And, uh, you know, I, I think any target – whether it be a tight end or a receiver that you can get in that same weekend as Braden Davis, it is a positive development for South Carolina. Yeah, it is. And and really all these weekends, I mean, I think we went over it on, on Wednesday, Wes. You got the, the June 25th weekend. You've got, um, you know, now there's a prospect, at least one. There'll probably be more on the 18th. You got June 11th. Um, and you got, what, the 7th. So you got sort of a midweek time that you've got several different dates for visitors coming in. And um, I think probably some strategy of bringing in Braden Davis on that last weekend. And uh, he's supposed to be there, as he said, Wes, the weekend before he'll be throwing with the coaches. Maybe he makes another appearance or two during the summer to help out recruiting some guys and obviously can do that virtually with all the technology nowadays. And, and some of the changes actually that the NCAA put in to allow, whether it's current student athletes to talk to prospects, group chats with coaches, things like that. Some of the stuff that uh, happened during COVID to, to help people recruit sort of got adopted. So lots of different things there that the staff can try to take advantage of, but yeah, big to have Braden Davis in that weekend and impressive list of visitors already slated for June. So it should be, it should be fun. 
Yeah, and I, dude, I, if I'm them, I'm making every every push I can to get Antonio Williams in for an unofficial visit during the time that Braden Davis, you know, is also going to be on campus. I, I think that's something that I would not not that it's already happened yet, like not that it's set up, but that's something I'm, I'm sure South Carolina will push to try to get to happen. Um, Zachary says, do we think we will continue to recruit the North? I don't think I know South Carolina is going to continue to. I mean, they, they've got this little just sort of it's kind of popped up and just naturally happened, all starting with Marshawn Lloyd being such a key figure to a lot of these Northeast kids and being so well-known up there. Uh, it, it's kind of just worked out for South Carolina almost as a happy accident at the beginning. And, um, I mean, dude, you gotta keep you got to keep taking advantage of that, I think. Yeah, you do. I mean, the first person that came to mind when mentioned that is, I mean, you do have Braden Davis, obviously, and uh, but you know Addison Copeland from New York, who's going to be in on June 25th as well, is is a guy to watch. We've seen South Carolina be active up in Virginia, uh, in Maryland, in Delaware. They're, they're going to be active in that region. I think you can expect Ramon Brown, who's four star running back from Virginia, for instance, is is a guy that they're still looking at. We've seen Pete Limbo, you know, digging around and you know, whether it's New York, like Addison Copeland, taking a look at some guys in Massachusetts, you know, they offered an offensive lineman for the 2023 class out of Massachusetts. So they're definitely going to have, you know, some activity up there. Limbo has some ties. Shane Beamer has a lot of ties in Virginia. Um, so they're, they're certainly making that part of the strategy. Yeah. Pete Limbo doing, uh, doing some really good work up there. He'll continue to get South Carolina in the game uh, with, with those guys. So, I think that's going to about do it for today. I uh, appreciate everybody who has joined us. Hope everybody uh, gets to go out and have a have a great weekend. I'm going to go check out some Fireflies baseball tonight. So it uh, should hopefully be warm, hopefully be a good night. Uh, I know it's been a little bit cooler. Uh, if anybody else is there, come say what's up. I'll be in center field somewhere. And uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. Uh, for Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you all on Monday. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business, especially in today's economy. But over 31,000 businesses do know their numbers because they use NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of financials, planning, budgeting, and inventory so you can manage risk and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. See why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash go. NetSuite.com slash go. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.